Amen. It's Father's Day, and uh, I wore my dad shirt today. This is the dad shirt. My wife said, you know, if you really want to complete the ensemble, you need to put on your shorts, your dress socks, and sandals. Right? I know, I said, that may be pushing it, but anyway, just, you can visualize. No, maybe you shouldn't. I used to, my dad used to kill me, man, when we go to the beach. That's exactly what he would wear. I mean, he'd be just trekking up and down. I've got a video, um, one of the last times dad was really, you know, in sound mind on a vacation, and, and uh, was it faith was strapped to his belly. Now, if you knew my dad, my dad, he, he was, he was a, a level-headed guy, and you, knew, you know a level because the bubble's in the middle, right? So my dad had the bubble in the middle, which meant he was a level-headed guy, but anyway... I mean, Faith's little feet are just dangling because she's way out here, strapped on, and Dad had those sandals and dress socks. Just he didn't, he didn't care. He was just up and down the beach. So, Dads, it's your day today. If you want to go out and embarrass the family, please do. Please do. That's just what us dads do. You may recall, or you, you may not, uh, sometimes we don't even know what we talked about last week, but... Um, Last year, we began a Father's Day message, and it was entitled, Being a Godly Father in a Godless Age. And in light of everything that's been going on in our world, it just felt right to continue that. And so we're going to continue that a year later, part two of Being a Godly Father in a Godless Age. Now, this is a topical study. I, you know me on this. I don't prefer topical studies. Give me a book of the Bible. Let's go through the book line by line, verse by verse. Let's dig in deep. Let's spend a year on a verse. That was my dad joke for the day. Thank you, Pine. I said, Dad, it takes a dad to get it. But there's a lot of truth in the joke too, right? <laughs> um, but we like to dig it out. And so topics, I'm not, I'm just, oh, man, they stress me more than anything. If you want me to get a restless night, give me a topic. Uh, and, and it's just, anyway. Um, but I want to continue this one. And in light of everything going on in our world, I think it's needed. Uh, before we dive in, though, uh, I've noticed this week, some of you have posted this online, and I know there's been several that have done this. You know, give a phrase that your dad used to say a lot. So I want to start kind of light here. We'll, we'll, you think for a second, what, what's, a, what's a phrase that your dad used to, just to say all the time? I mean, like, that's, that's dad. Let me give you top ten dad phrases. Number ten, they don't make them like they used to. I mean, yeah, every dad, these are universal dad statements, by the way. If your dad doesn't say this, he may be an alien. I don't know. Number nine, if you were told to jump off a cliff, would you? Number eight, don't talk back to your mother. <laughs> Good dads, yeah, don't you talk back to your mom. Don't talk to your mom like that, right? Uh, number seven, my daddy say this one all the time. Were you raised in a barn? Yeah. <laughs> number six, uh, I'm not going to tell you again. To which he would say, I told you, I'm not going to tell you again. I thought you weren't going to tell me again. When I got smart aleck enough to do that, oh, well, he didn't tell me again. <laughs> he showed me right then. So, yeah. 
Um, number five, I'm not sleeping. I'm just resting my eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Number four, when I was your age. How many of us get those stories? Yeah, now when I was your age. Number three, you make a better door than a window. Usually when you're standing in front of the TV. Now, I don't know, did anybody, I got to see if this is just my dad, and it probably was. But my dad, he would say that some, you're a better door than a window. But my dad said this one. I can't see through fat back. <laughs> so my dad was the only one who said that. Okay. See, my older generation, you know you cook with fat back. Anything you cook, you, you put some fat back in it. And if you know what fat back looks like, I know what dad was telling me. Okay. That's an original. I may need to coin that one then. Number two, money doesn't grow on trees. Yeah, we've all heard that. But dad, it's made out of paper. That one got me in trouble too. <laughs> and then, of course, dad would say, number one, do you think I'm made of money? <laughs> Often asked. And one that I, I was going to include in the list was, because I reminded we went out, we went out last night to try and beat the crowd, which you can't beat the crowd in a COVID pandemic crisis because there's always a crowd because there's only like four tables to sit at. But anyway, uh, I say this one to my kids a lot. When the bill comes, what does dads typically say when they look at the bill? Oh, I guess we're going to have to be washing dishes. I guess you kids are going to have to pay for it. You know, those kind of things. Anyway, yeah. My daddy sells time. Well, I guess, I guess, son, you're going to have to wash dishes, which my first job was dishwashing. Dad phrases. I hope you've got them. Share them today. Dads, it's full on dad joke day, so just let them have it. Uh, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, I want to encourage us, though, uh, again, with today's message, because there is a lot going on in the world. It's upside down. It's crazy. We knew it was uh, since the fall in the beginning of time, and it won't be righted until the Lord's return. The good thing is the Lord is returning, and I think we see His return with every passing day soon approaching. And so I want us to think about as we talk about being a godly father in a godless age, that we put things into context in which we live. You may recall last year I gave you some stats. I want to look at some of these. This is from the same organization, National Fatherhood Initiative, and they do these reports. Some of these uh, informations anywhere from 2010 up through 2018. Uh, uh, and so these are some of the common facts, just the facts. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 19.5 million children, 19.5 million children, more than one in four, live without a father in their home. That was 2018 stat, by the way. Just the facts. Involved dads improve their children's overall emotional and social well-being. Dad, you don't think your involvement in your child's life is important? It is. Very much so. Men with absent fathers are more likely to become absent fathers themselves. 
Children who live with their dads do better in school. Isn't that interesting? Um, this was some research done uh, with the um, Academic Achievement International Journal of Child reported that. Uh, and again, very, very interesting information. Consider this one. Boys have fewer behavior problems and girls have fewer psychological problems when they have involved dads. Dads, are, are we involved? Future dads, God bless you. Future dads, you need to be involved in the lives and the rearing of your children. And I recognize many of you come from homes that are, are split or divided. Can I still encourage you? Dads are a vital part of that. And church, therefore, we have to become surrogate dads. We have to become dads that step in and fill the void in a lot of cases. And that's where I want to talk today in our message is the importance of not just being a dad to your own, but being a dad to others around us, specifically in the body of Christ. And so we'll talk about that. Consider this fact. Children living without their father in the home are 47% more likely to live in poverty. These are the facts. Father absence is to blame for many of our most intractable social ills affecting children. The old adage, correlation does not imply causation, does not apply. Let me read that again. Correlation does not imply causation. A lot of people like to say that, but that does not apply to the effects of father's uh, absence on children. Dads matter. Dads matter. You know, we can talk about the movements of our day. We can talk about the issues that we're battling. But there's a reason our country is in the shape that it's in. It's because of absent dads. It's because a whole generation, uh, third, I think we're three into the fourth generation deep in some cultures in our communities where there's not been dads on the scene. Now, I love my dad, and, and my dad, uh, may he rest in peace, uh, was a good dad. But my dad was gone a lot. His job took him out of town, out of state. Oftentimes, I wouldn't see my dad for maybe three months. Uh, at best, sometimes a month at a time, depending upon where his job site was. Early on, we tried to move. But every six months, you know, dad would finish a job. And he may be in Georgia one month. And then the next uh, three months later, he's over in Oklahoma. And we tried and it just got to, to where it was just tough to follow from job to job to job. So we just anchored down in North Carolina and said, Dad... Do what you got to do to provide for the family. And he did. My dad was a hard worker. Hard worker. And I learned a lot from my dad. But I also learned by having a dad that wasn't there all the time that I want to be a dad that's always present. And that helps motivate me as a father to want to be as invested and involved in my children's life and be with them as much as I can because I realize that time is short. 
I mean, I look at my kids up here singing this morning, and it's like, oh, they're growing up so fast. A godly father gives direction and discipline. I want to start with that, and I want to look at from some scriptural points. But as we go through this, please understand with it being a topical, we're going to hit a bunch of different scriptures, just a verse, no context. I hate, that just pains me. That's what I feel like I'm doing this morning, but we're going there. And, but I want us to think about, as we go through these various scriptures, we see our Heavenly Father. As believers, we see His intent as a father figure in the lives of, of His children who, who, are, who are us. So, so this message applies whether you're a dad, whether you're not a dad, whether you're a male, whether you're a female. You'll see the attributes of God in these passages of Scripture. And those are attributes that you and I, as followers of Christ, need to exemplify. These are things that should fill our lives, our hearts to overflow so as we impact others. Notice if you would... This first verse. A godly father gives direction. Proverbs 22.6 says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Many of you recall the, the King James Version. You learned it that way. Raise up a child on the way they should go. When they're old, they'll not depart from it. Right? Now, does that mean, is this a foolproof plan that, hey, you raise them right, they're never going to walk away from the Lord? No, that's not what this means. It's a proverbial truth. We've talked about proverbial, proverbial truths before. Rule of thumb type kind of things, right? But here's the reality of, of a passage like this. What we invest in our children today, they can never run from it. It's deposited they know it. It's there. What they do with it is between them and God. But if we've done our part, that seed has been sown. That seed has been watered. Trust God for the increase. But God has created man with free will. I'm reminded that Adam and Eve were perfect prior to the fall. They were perfect parents at one point. They were perfect. And they had a son who was a murderer. After the fall. I mean, that's a reality check, right? A lot of parents just got off the hook. Wow, I thought I was just doing a terrible job. They were parents that were perfect at one point, And yet, one of their sons murdered the other. Guys, it's not dependent upon you to fulfill the role that only God can fulfill. But we have a responsibility that we are held accountable to and we will one day give an answer for. And so we must do so in a way that points, trains, raises up our children in a direction that's going to point them towards Christ, that's going to honor God in how we raise them. Joshua 24.15 says this, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Again, parents, you have the responsibility 
Dad, you have the responsibility to set the spiritual tone in your house. And if your child should choose to go the way of the world, if your child should choose to walk away from the things that you've instilled in them, that's not on you. Choose this day whom you will serve. But for, as for me and my household, as long as you're under my roof, everybody heard that saying from Dad? I've heard that saying from Dad. As long as you're under my roof, we have that responsibility, dads. And so we must be a godly father who gives godly direction. 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12 says this, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into His kingdom and glory. Dads, do you, do you see this? Godly dads, do you see how we're encouraged to give direction? What are, what are some of these attributes we see here? Encouraging. Dad, are, are you an encourager, dad? Is it always put down, beat down? And I know some of you grew up in homes. I've talked to many of you. I, I know some of you grew up in homes where you didn't get a lot of affirmation. Uh, you, you got a lot of browbeating. Never could really live up or do things right. Let that be a learning. Let that be a teacher. Just like I shared the story of how my dad, and, and I knew my dad meant well, and I know my dad was doing well. He was doing what he thought was best, and he, he was. He was providing for his family. But I knew based upon that absence that I didn't want to be an absent dad. I learned from that. Whatever negative you have had in your experience with your own father figure... Let that be a teaching moment to grow you into a more godly parent. Into a more godly person. Because even those moments are teachable moments. We should be encouragers. We should be comforters, right? I mean, because you see, it's implied. As a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting. That's implied. In that, in that statement, when you read the Word of God, that gives me a glimpse of the heart and the mindset of God. He expects fathers to be encouragers. He expects fathers to be comforters. And we typically look, oh, go talk to your mama. You know, suck it up, stop you crying. You know, that's kind of the, the dad mentality, right? I mean, you know, that's just what we were taught. We were, we, we were trained on John Wayne, not Jesus. I mean, that's just how it was. But guys, we're to be encouragers and comforters. Now look, we don't want to pacify, you know, uh, to the point of we sissify. We already got that problem in our nation, right? Jesus, though, was the manliest man that ever walked the earth. And yet, what do we see coming forth from him? Compassion, tears, emotions. It's okay, dads. It's okay. Be an encourager and a comforter. But I want you to look at that last part of that phrase. In urging you to live lives worthy of God. That's what a dad does. That's what a godly dad does. Dads, let's begin to urge our children to live lives worthy of God. God called us into His kingdom. We're ambassadors. We're representatives. We need more dads to be urging their children 
to follow the things of God, the kingdom of God. Seek first those things, right? Instead, we're, we're, we're focusing, and understandable, you don't, don't, if you don't work, you can't, you can't eat, right? That's scripture, right? Preacher, yeah, it is. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and these things will be added unto you. We're more focused on teaching our children trades and teaching our children things of the world than we are the things of God. Teach the things of God first. Let that be at the center of our home. Let that be at the forefront of our life, right? Help develop the biblical worldview for our children so that they see the world around them through the lens of the gospel. Now they're able to be the best employee. Now as we develop that trade and those skills that are going to help them make ends meet in this world, they're able to do so in a Christ-like way. Glorifying God and being that example that others, that city on a hill, will look to. The godly father gives direction. Colossians 3.21 Fathers, do not embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. Right? Don't provoke them to wrath. I, I um, remember in our, our previous ministry, we had a, a guy, I've shared the story before. Um, they were in our small group, care group. We had an awesome care group, and it was just, uh, man, it was the life of the, it was awesome, like many of you guys know and can relate to. And I remember we would meet at their house, and this guy, though, he, he just, he had a lot of baggage. I mean, he grew up in a, abusive home. It was terrible. And uh, I remember he would come by my house oftentimes just during the week, stop by and just talk. And we, we, we would oftentimes just, you know, hang out and, and, and he would share a lot of these things and just kind of peeling back layers of some of the abuse he went through. But his dad, for fun, would ask him to go, back in the day, you had to get up and go turn the TV. Okay. Now it's we'll spend two days looking for the remote without ever going up and pushing the button, right? I mean, you know, where's it at? Oh, no, you had it last. Who had it last? I had it last. Look in the couch cushions, you know? And so anyway. But back in the day, you had to go forward and actually turn the knob. And he would tell how if he didn't move fast enough, his dad kept a BB gun, a pistol BB gun, right beside in his couch. And he'd shoot him. A little pellet gun. And he said sometimes it would break the skin. It would just, I mean, he said it just hurt. You know, but that's the kind of dad he had. And so he struggled in seeing God as a father figure who actually loved him, cared for him. And that was, a, that was the biggest struggle that he and I, when we would disciple and counsel together, was helping him lay down that perception because he was attributing it to God the Father. And he had some, he had breakthrough. I mean, he, he did. And as he began to see that, they, you know what? That's, that's, I'm not going to let this example of a bad dad influence anymore the view of my heavenly father. And he really began to grow. Guys, don't, don't, don't provoke your children. Don't, don't provoke your children to want to just rise up in defiance and in wrath. That's not godly. That's not what a godly dad does. A godly father gives direction. Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and in instruction of the Lord. Dad, your responsibility is to instruct them in the Word of God. 
That is our responsibility. We have to do a better job of instructing our own homes in the truth of God's Word. Now, I realize for a lot of you, that's just not who you, you say, well, that's just not who I am. I'm not comfortable there. It should be who you are. Because if that's not who you are, then your identity is not in Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. I know that's stung. If that's not who you are, if that's not who we are, I'm going to put myself in there. If that's not who we are, then our identity is not in Jesus Christ in this area. But it's supposed to be. Your identity, my identity, our identity, it's in Jesus Christ. It's not in what I do for a living. That's not who I am. You meet a man, you have the conversation. One of the first things us men do is, so, so now what do you do for a living? Because we think as men, you know, that that's the most significant thing. No, the most significant thing, men, is who you are in Jesus Christ. And if you don't know who you are in Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to go through the Scriptures. Look in the Scriptures. Look in the New Testament. What does the New Testament say about you and I in Christ? Who are we? I'm forgiven, first and foremost. I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of the King? The King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm part of a holy nation, a holy nation. Man, we, we, we stand up and fight for, for, for America, and we should. But right now, America is about as ungodly as it, it, could, it, it could ever be, and it's leading the world to hell in a handbasket real fast, isn't it? Most of the filth that goes out into the world, where does it originate? Right here in our own backyard. But most of us will identify more as being an American than we will identify in being a follower of Jesus Christ. What's wrong with this picture? We represent ultimately one kingdom. And that's the kingdom to come. That's the kingdom that possesses the heart of every believer. And so as we go forth, as we raise our children, we need to make sure that we're instructing our children with a biblical worldview, recognizing that who they are is who they are in Christ, not in what they do or what's done to them. That's not what shapes you, right? Now, don't get me wrong. God first, family second, country third, right? You saw in that passage about discipline. We're not to just provoke our we're not to provoke our children to anger at all, but we're to bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. So I want to talk about discipline. Not only does a God, godly father give direction, he gives discipline. Hebrews twelve seven says, "Endure hardship as discipline." God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? Here again, what's implied by this scripture? When you and I see this scripture, when you look up here and you read this, there's an implication. What is God already assuming in the statement? He's assuming you're going to discipline your child. Because that's just what fathers do, right? Have you ever thought about this? Why we're going through all the mess we're going through right now in this world? This could be discipline. 
Now, we've talked about this when we went through Hebrews. Go back and listen to the message. Discipline comes in many forms. I think I mentioned there were four different types when we went through this section in Hebrews 12. Go back and listen to it. But I'm just going to give you two for right now. One form of discipline we know we've talked about, you know, that's when to go pick pick your hickory switch. Some of you kids have no idea what a hickory switch is. Ask grandma and grandpa. They'll tell you. Maybe they'll show you. That could probably help our generation too. Anyway. (laughs) Boy, I remember going out. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter. I'm going to get a little one. I'm going to get the littlest branch I can get. (laughs) Oh, it didn't help any. It didn't help at all. Discipline's expected, guys. Maybe, just maybe... There is a corrective nature in what's happening in our world today. That should be a result, right? But also discipline, discipline is also not in the form of a spanking. Discipline can also be in the form of a positive. Some of you people go to the gym. Some of you people exercise. You discipline your body, right? And it's hard work. It hurts. Trust me, and my wife today are walking like this. I'm going to ask a couple of you senior saints if you've got an extra walker at home, I might need it. We did a 10-mile walk yesterday, and I'm feeling every bit of it. It hurts. But we're disciplined. That was a disciplining of our body to do that, right? So sometimes the old no pain, no gain, so sometimes it comes in a positive, right? We need to, if we're going to be godly fathers, dads, we need to discipline our children. And sometimes when we're on the disciplining end, kids, got to endure it, right? Got to kind of make our way through it. Hebrews 12, 8, again, staying in the context of that, of that section of Scripture, if you're left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children, not sons. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Correction, rebuke, instruction in righteousness, these are all forms of training. These are all forms of discipline. Sometimes it comes in the firm fashion, right? Remember Mr. Holton used to say, the, the Board of Education applied to the seat of the pants or something like that. <laughs> yeah, the seat of the what? Seat of knowledge. Seat of knowledge. Yeah, <laughs> this is probably true. <laughs> Discipline, right? Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent His rebuke because the Lord disciplines those He loves as a father, the son He delights in. If you love your child, you're going to discipline them. And when I look at society today and I I look at a lot of these folks in this new country called Chaz or Chop, whatever you want to call it, I just wonder how many of them were disciplined as a kid. Now, some of them were probably in abusive homes like I described earlier, and that's tragic and sad, which is the reason why, church, we've got to shine the light of the gospel in a dark world because they don't understand a heavenly Father who could actually love them because they've never seen that in their own worldview. They've never seen that in their own life. 
And you and I need to be able to show that. A godly father gives discipline. Think about this in context to the church as children of God. We are children of the living God. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. I'm going to give you in the application section, church, a response to this. We're going to actually have an opportunity to take what we've heard in the hearing of God's Word and be able to be doers. Secondly, a godly father displays faith and fruit. Faith and fruit. Notice if you would, a godly father displays faith, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Dad, you're not going to be able to give instruction. You're not going to be able to give direction. You're not going to be able to give proper discipline if we don't know how to do so, if we don't have the Word of God in us. And I'm not talking a head knowledge. I'm talking a heart knowledge that transforms and changes how we live and what we do and how we do things. And so... How is that going to come? How do we grow in faith? You want to be stronger in your faith? Here's your answer. Wow, you know, preacher, I just, I don't know. I'm I'm just, you know, I I wish I could be a little stronger. I wish I could grow in my faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Get in the Word of God and let the Word of God get into you. Romans 1.17 For in the righteousness of God... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. You want to be a godly father? It begins by living by faith. Not faith in the pie in the sky, it's faith in the Word of God. Not faith in the latest fad or fashion or trend. Not not faith in, in what... You know, your drunk Uncle Bill says, no, it's faith in the Word of God. Right? Sorry if you have an Uncle Bill who's a drunk. Uh, yeah. Send him our way. Gospel's good for him. It was for me. I'm just saying. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Men, dads, We need some strong leaders. We need some strong male men to step forward for the cause of Christ. Deuteronomy 129-31 says this, Then I said to you, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who's going before you will fight for you as He did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. Now I know every mom here that has a small toddler baby has just now said, "Uh uh-huh, it's in the Bible. You're carrying the kid. That's not, not exactly proper interpretation. But hey, help out, Dad. But no, think about again, what do we see here in this passage of Scripture? What do we know about the story of the Israelites? What do we know about how God provided and protected and led them? He's going to do that for you, church. Dad, when you trust your family 
and your leadership to the Lord, and we begin to hide the Word of God in our hearts so we won't sin against Him, when we begin to step out on faith and lead our families in a fashion and a way that honors God, He will be our shield and our buckler. He will be our strong tower. He will be our refuge. He will be the cleft in the rock that we hide in. His grace is sufficient. And so a godly father displays faith. Psalm 103.13, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Again, when we see these attributes, these are godly attributes. These should be the attributes that me, I as a father, you as a father, should possess. We need to be compassionate dads. We need to fear the Lord. And dads, if, we're not, if this is not a part of our life, there should be a reverential fear that moves us to doing it. Because the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We started our 10-mile walk yesterday the same way I encourage you to start your new walk with the Lord, with one step. We had to take the first step. And don't worry about where you are in comparison with those around you. That's not what we're to do. We put our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith, and we take one step at a time. That's what we do. Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Uh, or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I don't know how to do this, Pastor. I'm not real sure on how to lead my family. I'm not real, real certain. Ask. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. I will never forget one of my first heartfelt crying out prayers that I ever screamed to the Lord from the depths of my soul as a brand new believer. Laying out on a, on a deck that my dad was building. Uh, he was building our family home. It was a, a seven-year project. <laughs> dad, dad took his time. But uh, it, I remember we hadn't moved in yet, and I used to, you know, I was a new believer. I'd kinda, I had to come back home and live with my parents. Uh, my world had fallen apart, and, and I was just wrestling with this newfound faith and not sure what I was to do, where I was to go, how I was to live. And I remember going over to this house, because this was sort of my little quiet place to get away. And, and I remember just laying out there, face first on this deck and just crying out, God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know anything about the Bible. I don't, I don't know how to be a Christian. I don't feel like those people at church, they just look at me funny every time I go in. I don't fit with them. I don't know anything about them. They seem judgmental. Uh, I, I don't have things in common. That was Satan, by the way. And he hasn't changed his tactics. I assure you, every visitor that comes into this door gets a few of those darts shot at them. Which is why we must go above and beyond to try and make sure that we quench those fiery darts with the shield of faith and make sure we express the love of Christ and how the Word would say we should. 
But I remember crying that out. And I remember reading on that deck for the first time resonating to my heart. Now, I may have read it many times, but as a believer, reading it and illuminating for the first time, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. Oh, man! That's in the Word of God? Yes, it was. And I remember just praying. And who would have ever thought that that was the first step? And I pray there's a lot more steps of growth in my future. But I know that first step has gotten me to where I am today. And had I not taken that first step of faith and believed God, took Him at His word, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Ask. And if he says no, then he knows best. Right? A godly father displays fruit. Galatians 5, 25 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there's no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, dads, let us also walk in the Spirit. Notice the fruit of the Spirit is love. A godly father displays fruit. You know what love looks like, guys? 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, I mean, just let that sink in for a second. Even if I were to speak like an angel. Can you, I can't even begin to imagine. Uh, obviously, I've seen a lot of isms. Tyson's been doing great study on isms. A lot of those isms began because an angelic fallen demon influenced some. But to their ears, that probably sounded pretty sweet. Paul said, if any man uh, or, or, or any, any, anyone, an angel, whatever, comes to you and brings you another gospel, let him be accursed. If I speak with the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have Love. I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, give over my body to hardship, that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Dads, if we're going to be a godly father, one of the fruits of the Spirit that should be evident in our life, is love. Do your children know you love them? I mean, do they really know you love them? Love is patient. Right? I mean, we're not patient people. We, we get fed up with something, we're done with it, right? I'm out of here, I'm done, forget it. Love is kind. It does not envy. 
It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. Wow. There's a lot of, a lot of love on the news today, isn't there? <laughs> Sarcasm inserted. I mean, we're getting ready to go into the political season, and I promise you there will be no love in any of the debates. And it's sad, guys. It's really, really, truly sad. And yet, it's found its way in the church. Do your words build up? Do your words edify? Well, you don't know what they've done. You don't know who they are. You don't know... I know what I've done. And I know a holy, loving God still cared enough to send His only begotten Son to die for my sin. And while I was still in my sin, He still loved me enough to forgive me and extend grace to me. Wow. i got a lot of growing to do in the area of love. How about you? It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily wrong. I mean, it's not easily angered, sorry. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Ooh, ooh. Remember that one now, loved ones. When you're home next time and, you know, something gets you on edge and mama ain't happy or daddy ain't happy and all of a sudden it starts to heat up in the kitchen and it ain't because you're cooking. Y'all following me? Don't start throwing those... Uh, metaphorical plates at each other. Oh yeah? Well, I remember back when so-and-so at that time and you, blah, 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 blah. That was like 10 years ago. You know? Wow. Or, or you can use the line my wife uses. That must have been the other girl you dated. <laughs> Guys, we can't do that. Truly, that's out of bounds, right? Our marriage was revolutionized when we actually read the Bible and heeded the don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I mean, God knows what He's talking about, don't He? I got it. We got to deal with it. We got to deal with it now. We're not going to sleep until we, we talk this through, until we hash this out. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. Dad, do you know that's part of your, your responsibility in the home? You're, you're to be a provider and a protector. Men, future dads, future dads unite! You're to be a protector, right? It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always preserves. Well, this Father's Day is going long, so let's try and wrap this thing up. When I became a man, the Scripture goes on in Corinthians 13 and says, I put, a, I put the ways of childhood behind me, for now we see only in a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now... These three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. 
Dad's love needs to be a part of who we are. And last, a godly father gives hope, help and hope to the forsaken and the fatherless. Let me say that again. A godly father gives help and hope to the forsaken and the fatherless. I know you're waiting for a joke. I promise you, Harold boys, there's none coming. But I do want to share a true account of a former Dallas Cowboy player. And boy, I, trust me, I, I, I did toy with that, you know, the whole help and hope and forsaken. But I, I said, I'm not going to go there. So... In his men's seminar, David Simmons, a former cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys, tells about his childhood home. His father, a military man, was extremely demanding, rarely saying a kind word, always pushing him with harsh criticisms to do better. The father had decided that he would never permit his son to feel any satisfaction from his accomplishments, reminding him there were always new goals ahead. When Dave was a little boy, his dad gave him a bicycle, unassembled, with the command, he put it together. After Dave struggled to the point of tears with the difficult instructions in many parts, his father said, I knew you couldn't do it. Then he assembled it for him. When Dave played football in high school, his father was unrelenting in his criticisms. In the backyard of his home, after every game, his dad would go over every play and point out Dave's errors. Most boys got butterflies in the stomach before the game. I got them afterwards. Facing my father was more stressful than facing any opposing team. By the time he entered college, Dave hated his father, hated his harsh discipline. He chose to play football at the University of Georgia. Ooh, go dogs. Uh, because its campus was further from home than any school that offered him a scholarship. That's sad, isn't it? After college, he became the second-round draft pick of the St. Louis Cardinals Professional Football Club. Joe Namath, who later signed with the New York Jets, was the club's first-round pick that year. Excited, I telephoned my father to tell him the good news. He said, how does it feel to be second? Despite the hateful feelings he had for his father, Dave began to build a bridge to his dad. Christ had come into his life during college years, and it was God's love that made him turn to his father. During visits home, he stimulated conversation with him and listened with interest to what his father had to say. He learned for the first time what his grandfather had been like. A tough lumberjack known for his quick temper. Once he destroyed a pickup truck with a sledgehammer because it wouldn't start. And he often beat his son. This new awareness affected Dave dramatically. Knowing my father's upbringing not only made me more sympathetic for him, but it helped me see that under the circumstances, he might have done much worse. By the time he died, I can honestly say, we were friends. Guys, I know some of you have not had the best father figure. But I can tell you there's a Father in heaven who loves you with an everlasting love. 
And His transforming grace can make you into the man that He desires for you to be. And there's a lot of David Simmons out here in our community. There's a lot of folks that will come in these church doors that do not have a father figure or have one like I just described or worse. And church, you're the answer because you have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Psalm 10, 18 says, To do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may oppress no more. You carry that good news that can change a life and transform a life. Psalm 68.5, a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy habitation. You want to be a godly father? This is what it looks like for us, church. This is what it looks like for us, men. This is us. Psalm 82.3, defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. We have to find that healthy middle in a world that's upside down. And we have the truth of God that will direct us and discipline us as we guide others to that place of reconciliation with a heavenly Father who loves them. James 1, 2, and 7, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Twelve practical ways, we're closing out, and we're done. Twelve practical ways for men to impact fatherless kids, and then my conclusion. Let's get that straight. All right, here we go. Here's the twelve practical ways. Practical ways, taking notes, listen closely. Pray for our neighborhood kids as we connect with them. Stop with the criticism. Stop it. Just stop it. Help. Don't hurt. Help! we got to do better at this. I'm learning. I've not arrived on this, guys. God's still working on me. we got to do this. Right? I hate to think of what some of these kids have to deal with. You know why they want to come over here? You know why they rush over here every time me and my wife pull up at the office, anytime they see a car? You know why they want to come over here? Because this is a safe place for them. This is where they're actually being cared for. This is where actually people hug them and show them love. Pray we can get a representation on local school campuses. I don't put the, horse, uh, the cart before the horse, but guys, we need to be praying right now. Who is God's next person? Dustin Dupree laid a foundation for youth in this church. Nate Deck built walls for that ministry. And somebody God has to bring and put the roof on. And I believe whoever that person is, we have yet, we have yet with these two great men, we have still yet to get into the school systems. And I believe that's where we can make a huge footprint for the cause of Christ. Pray we can get representation in our local school campuses. Hey, here's an idea. You want a practical way, Dad? Whether you're a dad or not a dad. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are called to be a father to the fatherless. You hear me? You are called to be a father to father. Teach a Sunday school class. Maybe that's an option. Talk to Larry if you're interested. Become a leader in nursery. Gophers. Olympian clubs. Help with the teens. If there's ever been a time we need the church to rise up and be the church, it's now. We need people being the church. These are practical ways 
meet one-on-one weekly with a young boy in our church or neighborhood who doesn't have a father in the home. This is something I challenged our, our leaders at the very beginning of the club year. Guys, once a month, take them for ice cream. Go to McDonald's. It don't cost much. I don't know what the burger is now. You see you could get one for 69 cents. Now it's like, what, $1.69 probably? Anyway, if you need, you need a dollar, come see me. I'll give you one, all right? Take them. Spend some time with them. Be a volunteer. Help with the summer camps. Talked about Mission Week coming up in July. Help. We're going to be ministering to this neighborhood. Free sports camps. Believe me, basketball camp will be packed. I need warm bodies at least just standing there saying, no, go that way, go that way. Help coach our youth sports. I'm always needing coaches. If you ever, quick show of hands. Raise your hand if you ever played sports, organized sports. Raise your hand real high. Don't be shy. Okay. Do you remember your coach? Do you still remember your coach? Nod your head if you still remember your coach. Yes. Coach has one of the biggest impacts in your life. You can have an impact for the cause of Christ. Eight, consider adoption or foster care ministry. Guys, we're the church. Many of you have done this. Praise God for you. Many of you are considering, contemplating, you've looked into, you're, 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 you're in, the, in the know on, on this. Praise God for you. Maybe God's leading others to be involved in this. Pray about this, how you can be a part. Hire a, a, a potentially at-risk kid for yard work or, or for your business. I know it's a risk, ain't it? But hey, it's an opportunity. It may change their life. Financially support church scholarship programs for camp and sports. You guys do that. Thank you. These kids, my hope, I hate that our, our Word of Life trip to New York was canceled. Uh, Mark was doing a great job working with one of the uh, uh, kids here in the neighborhood um, to be able to go to, scholarship, go to camp on a scholarship, and that would have helped. And, 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 and I, this person has never even been outside of, of LaGrange. Pray for our future field of dreams, outreach ministry. How can you be involved? Don't lose sight. Remember 2020 vision, what we started this year before 2020 went crazy? Well, I still believe God has that ministry at the forefront. Now, it may be a hold, and that's fine. We're holding, holding pattern until he says go. But pray for that and how we can be involved. Volunteer to bring a devotional during our youth sports. There's opportunity. Ladies, you can bring devotionals. We have a volleyball camp for girls. There's opportunities, okay? Alright, here's the conclusion. Thank you for letting me go a little longer today. Dad, be a godly father. Be a godly father. A godly father gives direction. He gives discipline. A godly father displays faith and fruit. A godly father gives help and hope to the forsaken and the fatherless. Dads, that's what God's called us to be. And we have a heavenly father who is our example, who will lead us and guide us, and he'll never leave us, and he'll never forsake us. Let's pray. Father, 
Thank you. Thank you for your word. Lord, have your will and way in the dads of this church, future dads. Have your will and way in this church as we move forward in ministry with uncertainties, with changes, with transitions. Lord, as we turn the page to a new chapter in the life of this church, direct us, lead us, help us to know and do your will. And Lord, I'm thankful for the the recent stepping forward that I've seen from many to to get much work done that's needed to be done for some time. And and Lord, just the leadership that's been brought in that, I thank you for for each participant, each person, each dad, because they're all dads that have done this. And Lord, we're all, in essence, uh, fatherly figures, if you will, when it comes to the gospel. We're entrusted to to share that, to lead in that. And so, Lord, we recognize we can't do this apart from you. And we recognize we can't do this without your wisdom. Give us your wisdom, we ask. And, Lord, I pray for any person here that maybe didn't have a good relationship with the dad. If their dad's still living, Lord, let them... Learn from that example of David Simmons and and take that first step of maybe trying to bridge a gap. Reconciliation. Restoration. That's at the very heart of you, Father. Give us the strength needed. Help us to know the results and the, uh, the outcomes not on us, but the step of obedience is. And so, Lord, have your will and way in each of us as you grow us, as you change us, sanctifying us, realizing that we're sanctified by the Word. Your Word is truth. And that is the will of God. That we might be more and more conformed into the image of Christ. Dear Lord, as we go out from here today, help us to be mindful of the opportunities that you've given us and are calling us to here in this community. May the Holy Spirit convict us. May the Holy Spirit draw us. May the Holy Spirit transform us and change us so that, Lord, we can be that city on a hill. That we can be salt and light in this community. And so I pray this in the name that is truly above every name. And we give you the praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for your patience. Uh, No evening service tonight. Enjoy Father's Day. Enjoy your time together. Um, As you exit, dads, men, we got a gift for you. Um, And so uh, be sure to uh, take one of those. Uh, I think you you, you get to display free will today because I think there's a choice set before you. So uh, choose this day (laughs) Uh, which grilling item you will serve with. Okay. I'm not going to stand in the back. But I am going to say adios, I love you, and I'll see you next time. Have a good evening.